let me first say to you, and I'm hoping I am the first to publicly, through any media outlet, announce and acknowledge and congratulate you for being a 2021 Distinguished Author Guild Award winner for your book and one of many. Mommy, what is an entrepreneur? Damn, girl, how does that feel? Oh, <laughs> Kevin, this feels so amazing. And yes, you are the very first one to acknowledge my win on any social media platform. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm still elated. This happened Thursday, and I am so excited. But I also, my king, have to give it back to you. Congratulations on your win as well. This was an amazing night. I was so floored to get this award. So thank you so much for asking. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, to, to my guests, I wanted to tell you, I this is special and this is personal. Um, my son is not with us today. His dog um, passed away. So um, both him and my daughter-in-law-to-be um, are in mourning um, right now. So um, they had to put him down uh, or putting him down in the process. But um, I, I, I want to talk about something positive. When I talk about strength, tenacity, when I talk about someone that is the epitome of courage, when I talk about someone that is the poster child for optimism, when I talk about someone that is that little red thing that we see that we call a heart, when we talk about passion, and when I talk about someone that's an inspiration, I want to talk about Miss Michelle Cox. From being diagnosed at the age of 55 with cancer, she never thought about giving up. She never thought about dying. What she did think about is the pursuit of her dream to make a difference in a child's life. And she's doing this through a series of children's books that she has created. Um, this is a story that has to be told. Everyone knows you as the computer lady, and we'll, we'll, we'll dive in into that. But there are a lot of people going through the process. One of my best friends uh, eight weeks ago lost her eight-year-old son to brain cancer. And um, the, the Thornburg family, you know, we're still grieving. His birthday was just November 6th, a couple of days ago. Um, so it, it's hard, especially coming around the holiday times. Um, if you don't mind, because I, I, your, your story is a, uh, a story of strength. When most people would have given up, um, you chose to fight. Can you kind of take us back from the, the conversation to your diagnosis, um, through what happened the day after and the days after until the days that you turned around and says, you know, it's going to have to fight me to take me if I can put words in your mouth. Well, I discovered a small lump back in 2015, early 2015, um, about April. And because I have sarcoidosis in my lungs, I thought it was a granuloma because I had a scare back in 1988. So I went to my doctor, we scheduled a mammogram. Now note that I had had a mammogram the year, the year prior. So going in, and I talked to my tech because she knows me. You know, we know each other. This is a yearly occurrence when we do these examinations. 
And so I was asking her, I said, you know, just off the record between me and you, what do you think, girl? And she says, girl, you should go see your surgeon. So went back to the doctor's office. I was like, let's go ahead and schedule the biopsy and get this done. Well, the day the doctor, the surgeon is supposed to call me with the report, I have to go to Charlotte, so I can't go for the end visit. And I told him, I said, no matter what time you get out of surgery, please call me. 6.28 p.m., I'm on the road to Charlotte, and the doctor calls. And, you know, he asked me all the HIPAA questions and everything, and he says, Michelle, I regret to inform you, it's breast cancer. And I was so shocked. I didn't even ask him the grade, the size, any of that. I just politely thanked him and got off the phone. I was a mess. I went and picked up my colleague at the uh, at Charlotte Airport. We went on to the hotel and I literally did not sleep at all that night. I was just overcome with, wow, what am I gonna do? What's gonna happen? And so we go back for the follow-up visit and then we go for the, we go to surgery. You know, he wanted to do surgery because I got told the 21st of July, which is two, almost two weeks before my birthday. And he was, he wanted to do the surgery that week. And I was like, no, I'm not going to be in the hospital on my birthday. Plus my mom always told me, and she's a nurse, love you, mommy. Don't ever have surgery in the summer, especially during dog days, because it's hard for your body to fight an infection. So we scheduled it for September 3rd, went and had the surgery and the pathology came out of surgery, the margins were clean. But you know how you go home and you're like, don't know what's going to happen. So I went to the oncologist and she's like, got to get on chemo, got to get on chemo. I was like, no, I'm not doing chemo, not doing chemo. I need to do my research before we even think about doing chemo. And see, she never offered me the opportunity to have the Oncotype DX test. I actually did the research to find this information. So she was like, I want to start chemo. I was like, not doing it. Opted for the Oncotype DX test because the pathology report came back and it said I had a triple positive breast cancer. But on the bottom of that report, it said this report is inconclusive. So she was going to make me go through chemothera uh, chemotherapy and the report wasn't even conclusive yet. So we had the Oncotype DX test. It came back that I was only estrogen receptive. Now, mind you, there is the Taylor X report. This was a study done of 10,000 women. And it found out that 75% of women do not have to have chemotherapy if they have early stage estrogen receptive breast cancer like mine. So I got home, started talking to God because my doctor literally said, I'm going to give you five years without chemo. I don't care what, you know, I don't think, and in my, my opinion as a doctor, that it's going to work for you. So, and I told her, I was like, it's whatever God gives me. So from that moment, I'm like, God, I'm, you know, am I going to live? I'm going to die. I was just, I had all these emotions. Everything was running. And God came in, it's like, I got you. Don't worry about it. And I got this calm and this peace over my spirit. And I started writing children's books. I never even thought about writing children's books, but God was like, here's 
something for you to take your mind off of things and to deal with the cancer because I've got something greater for you. And part of that greatness is him reminding me of that promise when I was eight years old and I told my teacher, I wanted to be a philanthropist. I wanted to change the trajectory of lives in a very positive and impactful way as a philanthropist. And so that's how we got here today. Me making sure that I'm following God and I'm paying attention to what God is telling me. Now, before I go on, this is something strange. And you and I had this conversation a couple of days ago, and this is freaking me out because at 1.45 a.m., and normally God wakes me up every single day at 2.47 a.m., and I get out of bed, I take a walk to recharge my batteries, whatever, because I was told in, in, in college by a professor that when you're going to have a heart attack, you normally get a shot over the bowel. God tells you that, you know, you need to get up and kind of jumpstart your heart, get things circulating. So 2.47 in the morning, I always wake up. But last night before this interview, and this is going to sound strange, I woke up and my phone was on and playing was a young man. Most people know him as an entertainer, and I'm going to say a young man by the name of Steve Harvey. And when I woke up, the two things he said that we all had in common, and he says the gift that he had was two things, faith and hope. And it scared the living crap out of me because days ago, we, we, we had a similar conversation. And like I said, things happen in the universe is the reason why I write in the middle of the night. And then to listen to you have this conversation and especially when modern med medicine, and I, I will say this, not to have a downplay on people that are in this field, but a lot of times because they see so, so much, they, they don't go the extra mile. And that's the reason why we've got to be proactive, especially as people of color in our own health, in our own health. We have to research, we have to ask the questions and some medical professionals are very uncomfortable with answering that because they don't like being challenged because they think, you know, I save lives and I, I give up on, on lives. And sometimes they give up too soon. But you, you, you took life in your own hands. You, you followed your heart and you followed your faith. Wow. And then on top of that, you, you took pen to paper and you started to put it on books. You started to do what we're all called here for, service. It was, I wrote my first book because I was at home convalescing after the surgery. And you know, in your mind, it was like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go back to corporate America? And, you know, these books literally started writing themselves. And I wrote my first book called Mommy, Is the Computer Smarter Than Me? Took a couple of weeks. And then I read about J.K. Rawlings and her struggle to get her book published. It took her almost seven years and 400 rejections to get her book, cover, uh, her book published through a traditional publisher. And I was like, I don't know how much time I have, but I'm not going to waste time. So I started my own publishing company, M.O. Cox Media, to publish my books. And I sunk my 401k into it. Now, the only thing I didn't do and I'm gonna to be totally transparent and honest here, is that I didn't do videos because 
after the cancer and after the surgery and everything, I didn't like the way my body looked. I didn't like the way I felt. And I didn't want to do videos because I wasn't comfortable. And so literally for three and a half, almost four years, I didn't do videos. And I missed the opportunity for people to find out about me. And that's probably one of the few things that I didn't trust. And I should have trusted God because God has always carried me and, and gotten me through. So today I'm much better and I do videos. I'm all over social media. So it's getting better and better and better. But even people in their faith, we falter. And that was my faltering point. But now I was able to meet you. I was able to get this amazing award. And I've written eight books so far. I published two. I've got a brand new one out called Mommy, what is an entrepreneur? And my goal is to get our kids reading. Kevin, did you know that 48% of our children read under grade level? Yep, I know. I know. And no one's teaching them STEM. And then if we teach them from early on STEM and that reading is this wonderful thing where they can flourish and their imagination can grow and they can solve all kinds of problems, our world would be so much greater. Well, you, you know something is strange. You and I are on the same path. And that's the reason why I, I, I say God connects people for, for a reason. And our lives have, have traveled. We're similar uh, in age. But... um. You know, I, I heard a statement and, I, and I, um, a little girl told me, she goes, I don't like reading, Mr. McLemore. And I said, yes, you do. And she goes, but I don't like reading. I said, ma'am, I said, look, my first book I read was How to Win Friends and Influence People. I hated reading my textbooks. I said, you just haven't found a book that you love to read. And that's important. I, I'm going to share another story. Last summer, I got a chance for my first time to speak at a commencement ceremony for eighth graders. And because of the uh, no child left behind, when I asked before I gave my speech, you know, what was the, the, the grades like of these kids um, going into high school? And she said, Mrs. Mac Mr. McLemore, she says 60% of the kids are struggling reading and writing they should be held back but because of no child left behind we have to graduate 80 percent do you know what it's like if industry only produced 80 percent and sent out an inferior product of what your automobile would be like what your hairdresser would be like what what your eyeglasses or your optometrist would be like or even what your daughter would be like i mean your doctor not daughter i correct that um so explain to me what STEM is. STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. And they have STEM and STEAM because STEAM integrates art in all of that. And this part of science, math, and technology, we've been lacking behind for some years and we're still trying to catch up. And what I do in my personal business besides being an author is I'm an instructor. I teach computer hardware repair. So I've been able, and God has given me the gift to break down complex science, math, technology, and engineering concepts and explain it to children in picture books. And so that's what I do in STEM to help children have that joy of reading. 
And one thing I know about picture books, because of the pictures, it's more engaging and it's gonna help kids to learn those words and to read along. One, because I don't flood the pages with a lot of words. It's simple and easy read. And we use that ionic pentameter, or as we say, rhyming words in order to help kids pick it up a lot better. And, and to my, my, my listeners, for those of you that are just pulling in to get your uh, morning cup of um, Java, um, rushing out to um, fill up your gas tank or even um, trying to get the kids off to school so you can have that five minutes to yourself and you're listening to this, you know, part of the reason and my main reason for having Michelle on here um, has nothing to do with how wonderful she is and how dynamic she is as an individual, which those are all accolades that should be um, on, a, on a billboard or trucks going down the highway. But I, I, I want to share and ask my, my listeners and followers, because I believe we have a higher call to action. This young lady has committed, has committed, and I'm going to repeat this, has committed to give away 1 million copies of her ebook. And I'm going to say this slow, so some of people are going to fall on the floor. Free to any parents with a child. She's not asking for money. She's not asking for investors. She's not asking for anything. She's, she's giving hope, which is our purpose of helping people every day. Um, I wanted to share her story, but we don't give a lot. We receive and look for return on, you know, we give with a return on investment. You're not asking for anything in return. Why? Tell, tell us about this program and what this ebook is all about and what parents are going to get when they get this ebook. Well, the one thing I know is the only way for you to build generational wealth is to, number one, understand business, understand the concepts of entrepreneurship, and then start to teach it to your children to pass it down. Now, we know everybody isn't going to be an entrepreneur, but they should have the opportunity. So this book is about a mommy teaching her daughter about what her and her husband do as entrepreneurs and how their businesses take care of the family. And also it talks about how the little girl is an entrepreneur. This book also speaks to the life of Madam CJ Walker. And then the other entrepreneurs in our community like Oprah, Frederick, Mr. Frederick Smith, and then we even have a piece on there on Warren Buffett, as well as Bill Gates, because the one thing I know, no matter where you are, children need to understand the component of wealth building and entrepreneurship at an early age, because the more they understand that and financial literacy concepts, the better their lives will become. Because let's think about it. Going to college is a good thing, but if you have an established business like Bill Gates established when he was 18 years old that he dropped out of Harvard, he created one of the most successful financial institutions called Microsoft. Warren Buffett, same thing. Oprah Winfrey, she went to college, but she was able to build generational wealth by starting her own studio. 
Tyler Perry, same thing. And when we think about hair care, and you know, we divas, we love our hair. CJ Madam C.J. Walker. Yep. The first black female millionaire. And these are the things and the ex examples that kids learn from. With that, we tie it to this wonderful picture book that gives kids the love of reading because it's something that you start reading to them, they'll read to you, and it's going to become one of their favorite stories. And we're going to build on that knowledge because they'll take it to school and they'll share it with other kids. And they're like, I didn't know this. I didn't know we could do these things. But it's those little bit of pushes as the instructors we are in our lives as parents and teachers that we give our kids these positive messages. We help bring them up in the ways that we're supposed to, in the ways that God directs us to. And it's amazing that you're doing this because um, I've spoken in front of large groups and small groups and I ask people, do they understand the game of Monopoly? And um, they, they look at me and they go, everyone knows how to play it, but they don't understand the game. Exactly. It, it was the Europeans men's way of teaching their children through a visual effect, the same way as your book, um, assets and liabilities. You know, when you're a homeowner, uh, your home is a liability. But when you're a landlord and you gain a home and another home, you have an asset. And people don't realize that. And the conversation you're having through an example through a picture book and the conversation you're, you're having saying opportunity is there, but you've got to work and do the, do the work and go out there and take the risk. You know, when you bring up the word, you know, people have titled me with an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. I always say I'm a professional risk taker. I do the things that everyone else will not do. I'm a creative type, but I'm also a winner. I think big, I live big. Um, I don't believe that I'm gonna fail. Failure is just an obstacle that just says you haven't got it right. Let me go ahead, reset, regroup, and go after it again. You, you've got something in you. And I said this to you over the weekend, you got greatness in you and I've got to go out and get the world ready for you. And I'm telling you to my listeners, this is a person that, you know, you should have speaking in front of your children through high school, college. You know, we need to understand that 75% of the people that graduate with a college degree normally end up in the entry-level management position they would have gotten if they had worked three or four years in the workforce and not being a quarter of a million dollars in debt. So tell us about your books. You said you've got nine books. And tell us, I, I, I want to go through and, and go a little bit about your award-winning book, because now you are famous. You're famous. <laughs> So, I, I'm still taking that in. I, and if I catch in my breath, I apologize, but I am still taking in this win in. I am still so very excited that this book won. The impetus of business or the business of business is making sure that not only you're taking financial risk, but you can see long term. Well, the business of business is also making sure that you're not working in just your business, but your business is working for you. That's why reading for children is so important. Because if you can't read, how are you going to run your business? How are you going to read your financial statements? So when we talk about entrepreneurship and children, they need to be able to know the concept when they heard it 
and that this was something positive for their life. This was something positive for their family. This is something positive for the generations that they'll bring forth. Also, that's why I'm committed to making sure this book not only teaches you about entrepreneurship, but gets you to that love of reading because I know a lot of millionaires out there and I've spoken to a couple of them, Grant Cardone being one of them, Damon John being another. And one of the things I find among a lot of men were they had a problem and a struggle reading. But guess what? It doesn't matter whether you're reading a picture book or a comic book. As long as you're reading and you start to find the joy in it because reading will elevate your life. And that's one of the, the hallmarks of being an entrepreneur because you're going to need to understand not only business, but profit and loss, liabilities, assets. And this book goes on to explain these simple principles in a way that's digestible for children. Wow, that's powerful. You now own a publishing company. There are thousands of people that are going to be listening to this podcast interview and that are going to run into the same roadblocks that many authors run into going through traditional publishers and having to listen to, if you self-publish your book, you go with someone that doesn't have the imprint that your book is really not a book, um, which confuses the life out of me. And I will say this, and I'm going to call it out publicly, St. Martin's Press, you should be ashamed of yourself because Sprinkles, the true spirit of Christmas that you turned your nose down to and said that uh, people weren't ready for this type of uh, story, it's now an award-winning book. Well, I, let's think about that because you know what? Did you know, and, and I want to explain how hard it is to be a New York Times award-winning book. You can't be a New York Times best-selling author unless your book was published by a New York publishing house. Did you know that? Yes. I'm going to say no for my, my, my listeners, but yes. And do you know how many books you have to sell within a week in order to get that recognition? Go ahead and 10, tell 000. us. 10,000 a week. And how, how, do you, how do you get 10,000 books sold in a week unless morning, Good Morning America or someone put you on or... You know that little tag you put in there? You go ahead and put the money in there that says that you um, have sold um, X amount of, and they put a little, little label on the corner of it. And most people think it's an award. That means one person bought all the books. Exactly. So, and so who has two or $3 million to make themselves a New York Times published book? I, 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 I do know there was a president that did it. I won't let him say his name. <laughs> <laughs> but he still thinks he's running. <laughs> well, he, hopefully he'll be running into prison, but you know, that's another story for another day. All right. Um, so how, how does someone uh, reach you and get in touch with you and, and how does an inspire, inspiring author um, connect with you to, to, to get some assistance and directions to get that, or, or you're not open to that? Right. I am open to that. I'm on Instagram and my 10K card is on Instagram. That's my digital business card. And you can reach me on my digital business card. Can you give us that information and how we reach you, Ms. Uh, Michelle? 
Well, on Instagram, I'm Michelle underscore TCL. That stands for the computer lady one on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, the Mommy Readers Collection. You can also reach me on my website, which is T as in the, M as in mommy, R as in readers, C as in collections, U as in United, S as in states.com. There, not only can you reach me, you can, you can email ask at TMRCUS. My number is also there. And if you reach me through my 10K card, you can text me, which is the best way. Now, for young authors, there are a couple of things to remember. Number one, don't go to vanity presses. Number two, get yourself two editors, one to do your primary editing and one to do your secondary editing. Because the biggest mistakes that most of us make is that we think we can edit our own books. Our mind will not let us see our mistakes. You right. literally have to read over about a thousand times to start to really catch your mistakes. And then what I normally do is I put it in Word and I turn around and put it in Google Docs and then I put it in Grammarly. And then I send it to the, to the editor and let her hurt my feelings. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's something people need to understand. There is a, a process. And, um, and I've said this before, your first draft is not your final draft. Your Never. first draft is just a word dump. And so don't be afraid to, to, to put it out there and have someone give you some advice. Um, the other thing I'm going to add on to that, because we're both authors, is that your neighbor, your best friend, unless they are in the book industry, is probably not the best editor. They, they can read it for the first time, but don't submit that. You know. So how do you find a good editor? Well, I found a couple. Now, my first, uh, one of my good friends, not only is an editor, but he's an, also an architect. And then I had one of my other good friends from college. She was an English major. So they went over and those are the two people that read my first draft. Mm -hmm. Then from there, because they'll find a lot of the mistakes and they're like, well, you know, you need to do this and that. Then I sent it over to a book editor and the book editor's name is Carla Dean. You can find her. She's on Clubhouse. Um, she is very stringent. If you're very sensitive about your work, don't send it to her because she is going to hurt your feelings. Like my little book came back with all these little red marks. And, you know, we authors, we're a little sensitive about our stuff. And so, but you get over that part because the only way to be great is to have your skills sharpened. Iron sharpens iron. Exactly. Yes. Now, once you've done that, you have to think of a really good cover and have a really good cover maker if you're not doing the art yourself. Because somebody, no one's going to pick up your book if that cover is not going, oh, I like this. Or even with children, children know. Because my first book, Mommy is a Computer Smarter Than Me, little kids would point and they're like, I want that, Mommy. I want that. So you have to think of it outside of yourself so when I write I write as my eight-year-old self when I publish I am the woman I am today but writing comes from that wonderfully creative spark and so I write for children when I'm writing for children I think of me as my eight-year-old self and is that age range between eight to twelve what's the age range of your books they're eight to twelve but I actually write for even younger because this is what I think, and this is just my opinion. 
children have the, the, the capacity to learn from the ages of three up. Now, my books are high level, but if you start reading books that are high level to children, four or five, and you don't have to read it all at one time, but a page here, a page there, they really start to grasp the concepts. So I always say from four to 12. It's a wide range, but you have to remember, we have so many kids that are reading under grade level. This book actually has the ability to pick them up and catapult them in to where they need to be as well. And how do people get the ebook? You go to tmrcus.com, that's T as in the, M as in mommies, R as in readers, C as in collections, U as in United, S as in states.com, hashtag ebook. Go to ebook, put your name and your email address in, and through the magic of technology, we send you an instant email. The email will have the link and the free code for your book. And that free code is hashtag BBC, which stands for beating breast cancer. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Listeners, my followers from RMK Productions and to our YouTube page, RMK Productions and Network, you, you've got to download this link. You've got to share the link. You have to share this podcast. You have to share the story. I know when we talk about calls to action, people need to go ahead and, and step up to the plate. I've always said our listeners, they don't drive by car accidents, they stop to help. This is one of those things that you have to do. It's a must to do. The holidays are coming up. Um, there, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of reasons that you need to find a reason to read these books. Um, not only is she an award-winning author, I'm gonna uh, say that uh, uh, a lot because it's well-deserving. I, I know what it's like. We shed tears um, together in the last couple of days. And as your brother, um, I am proud of you. I am so proud of you. And I know everyone that's listening is applauding the fact that you overcame and you triumphed. As Dave Sanders said, Sanderson said, you know, um, when he survived the plane crash, um, in the Hudson, in New York, that moments matter. And what you're doing matters. If I can say that, if I can take his hashtag, moments matter. You matter. You're a gift. The title of this um, podcast is The Gift. You are a gift. I, 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 I can swoon all over you all day long. I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you. Um, I always ask this of all my guests. What do you want people to take away from this interview? I want you to take away that number one, our children are one of the most important and precious gifts that we have. And making sure that not only that they love reading, but they understand that through reading, they can have a better life and not live a life of poverty. That's my takeaway. And Every year, I hope to be able to give away a million books. I'm going to write a book every year on something different, something new, but I'm hoping to be financially stable enough to make sure that I make a positive impact in our communities. And the ways that you can make a positive Im impact in, in our communities is to make sure that our children read. And that's my takeaway for today. 
And what is your ask? A-S-K. I always ask this of everyone. And God has always said, you know, you ask and you should receive. My um, fans, my followers, people that listen, have a higher call to action. I've seen it, um, you know, from someone calling in to help give a um, financial endorsement to a, um, another um, literary, literary person, to a person um, opening the, uh, the doors to an opportunity to become an actor, working actor in Hollywood from Philadelphia all the way to uh, Los Angeles. I know there's people out there that are in a position to make a difference and change in their life. So I'm going to, I'm going to say as big. Okay. This is my ask. I have a bigger agenda. Not only do I want children to read, I'm going to be doing a large fundraiser for our local public hospital and they serve people that don't have the means. It doesn't matter. They don't turn anybody down. So I'd like you to look out this coming year. I'm going to be doing a $90 million fundraiser. I've already written a new book for that. And I wanna take that money and make sure that people that don't have the ability to go to the hospital or get healthcare can do that. And so my ask is share this book everywhere. If we run out of ebook downloads, I promise you, if you share as many as you can, up to five million, I will make five million free. And that's my, uh, on everything that God has given me and all the blessings, I will make that happen. Cause my ask is for the greater good. And that's hope, helping other people every day. How do we get in touch with you? And how do we um, make the pledge that's coming coming up? It is tmrcus.com forward slash ebook. Get your ebook. Once you get the ebook, I don't send out daily emails or monthly emails. I will only notify you through email when that fundraiser is ready and when that next book is ready. All right. I want to thank you again, an award-winning author, Miss Michelle Cox, the computer lady, um, humanitarian. I can go on and on. Um, she's a gift. We have covered so much information and we hope at some point this episode that you will share because you've been enlightened or maybe by something she said that have touched you. I know um, I've added a little bit of this um, to this interview of my personal life, but this interview is all about Michelle Cox. And if something we said has changed the channel or touched your heart in a way or changed the view or your perspective on how we interpret information or perceive information, I know your view right now is clearer than it was moments before we looked, uh, listened to this podcast. If you're not following us, go to RMK Productions and Network on our YouTube page. If you need more information, go to info at rmkproductions.net. 